Welcome. You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. It is great to be with you all this morning. As we approach God through the Word, let's pray together. God, your word described, is described as a lamp to our feet, a light to our paths. As we read and wrestle with the scripture before us today, may you enlighten us and lead us that we can continue to live and serve you. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask us to do something a little different this morning before I read. Whether you're home or here, if you're kind of one of those people that's inclined to follow along reading, I want you to close the Bible. I want you to close your eyes and listen to these words from Revelation chapter 4. So go ahead, close your eyes, listen for the word of the Lord. Beginning at Revelation chapter 4. Verse 1, after this I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. And the one seated there looks like jasper and carnelian. And around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Around the throne are 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones are 24 elders dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. Coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with a face like a human face, and the fourth living creature like a flying eagle, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. 
For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can open your eyes. Okay, let's be real. That was weird. And the crazy preacher had us close our eyes so our mind came up with all kinds of strange images like creatures with eyes everywhere and six wings and, and flames and trumpets and what is going on. How is this even in the Bible? For those of us who read Scripture regularly, it's likely that Revelation is a book that we avoid. And we avoid it because of this. It's difficult to understand. It doesn't make sense. There's all kinds of weird things happening. I'm going to ask you to do that one more time. I'm going to read a short passage to you from a story from a book that I used to read my children as they were growing up, The Hobbit. So I, again, I just want you to close your eyes and listen. Here we go. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with ends of worms and an oozy smell, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. This hobbit was a very well-to-do hobbit, and his name was Baggins. The Bagginses had lived in the neighborhood of the hill for time out of mind, and people considered them very respectable, not only because most of them were rich, but also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. This is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. He may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained, well, you will see whether he gained anything in the end. Okay. Go ahead and open your eyes. That was a little bit more comfortable, wasn't it? It was okay. Not least of which because the, the images weren't quite as outlandish. But we struggle to use imagination and hold truth at the same time in our Western culture. Particularly when it comes to Scripture. Now, with a story that we know to be fiction, we can use those characters and learn through those characters all sorts of things. We learn things through this book alone, ideas about friendship and adventure and dealing with fear, loyalty, all these things through these fictional characters. And they come to life because they're imagined. Now, that's not to say the book of Revelation, or what I just read, is fiction per se, but it's meant to be understood and interpreted in a very different way. 
Now, I like to watch old films, you know, the black and white variety from the 40s and 50s, the kind of classic films. And once in a while, not very often anymore, but once in a while, I'll convince one of my kids to watch it with me. But they often get bored. They say, Dad, there's too much talking, not enough action. There's a lot of dialogue in those. And there are no special effects. In modern films, it's sometimes really difficult to discern reality from what is happening in the special effects. One way to think about the book of Revelation is that it's the special effects book of the scriptures. Special effects don't tell the story so much as they propel the plot. They kind of move it along and they, they do it in a different way, again, using images and poetry and metaphor and all those things to, to communicate to a different part of us and give us a different understanding. To me, that's my understanding of Revelation. Now, this is the first week of this series, and though the series is really to do with great hymns of the faith, when Jeff was doing some research on this, he understood that a lot of these hymns are based in the book of Revelation. So, all of a sudden, we have this series on the book of Revelation, and he, he admitted to me when we were talking about this, he said, you know, I've never given a sermon series on the book of Revelation. How convenient for that for the first week he decides not to be here. Thank you very much, Jeff. If it goes poorly, he can just change. But I want to lay some groundwork. Because it's the first week, I want to lay just a kind of a foundation for our understanding, at least my interpretation of what Revelation is and what it is not, before we look at chapter 4. So first off, we have to understand that Revelation, the book of Revelation, is a specific type of literature that was very popular in the first century. It's called apocalyptic literature. And it was intentional. It was intentionally using visual images and metaphor and poetry. Remember, this is pre-electricity. This is pre-video games and actual special effects. This is what people did for entertainment. And most people in the first century were illiterate. And even if they could read and write, they didn't have books. Printing press is not invented for another 1,500 years. So this scripture, this work, is a specific type of literature, and the author is trying to capture the imaginations of those that are listening. And most people that heard this did just that. They heard it. And for apocalyptic literature, often it was even acted out for them. That's how it was communicated. It was a long time before it was written down and people had the ability to read it for themselves. Second thing we need to understand about the book of Revelation. It's a pastoral book. It's a book written by someone to specific churches, writing to them about what's going on. It's written to specific people at a specific time, dealing with specific circumstances, namely the persecution they were facing by the Roman authorities. So we need to interpret it, understanding that that's why it was written. Now, very quickly, 
The wider church, outside of those seven churches for whom it was written, adopted it and began to see truths in it and began to see application for their own context. And that remains true. It's part of the canon, not because it was about those seven churches, but because it's universally applicable and useful for the wider church. But when we read it, we have to understand for whom it was written and why it was written. So that's kind of our understanding of what the book of Revelation is. So what about chapter 4? There's a few things that we can understand from chapter 4, which I read to you with your eyes closed. First of all, God is absolutely indescribable. Now, John, the author, has a very vivid imagination, clearly. As I read that, you had all these other fantastic type of images of beasts with eyes and lots of wings and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to describing God, he is left without words. The best he can muster, the best he can manage is color. He says like there was jade and carnelian and there was a rainbow of emerald around the throne. He uses storm imagery, flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. He uses space, distance, between where I was and where the throne was. There is this sea, glass. I was far away. And he uses time. Who was, who is, and is to come. That's the description of God. We don't get a physical or a visual description other than those things. It's as if the author is saying, God and God's omnipotence is indescribable. There was a reverence, there was a fear, there was an awe about being in the presence of God. Now, from my way of thinking, that flies in the face of our modern, nonchalant, rather casual approach to worship. Regardless if we're talking about contemporary music or traditional music, we're pretty casual about it. I was here last week. It was great. The place was pretty full. We were all dressed up. Women had makeup on. Guys were jackets and ties. Most teenage boys had had their hair combed by their mothers. They looked really good, like they're going to get pictures taken afterwards. There were even some women with hats. It was great to be together, and it's a joyous occasion. But John is suggesting that when we come to worship the God, the creator of the universe, we might want to wear a crash helmet. The ushers at the door should give out life preservers or bulletproof vests. All our pews should, be, should have those, those harnesses that you put on in a roller coaster. Preachers, when they begin the service, even Presbyterian preacher, preachers should say something like, strap in people, we have gathered to worship the creator of the universe. Be ready for anything. 
There was an awe. Now, the Hebrew people understood that. Once a year, there was a requirement of the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies, the place where supposedly God resided, to offer the atonement sacrifice on behalf of all the people. And before he entered to give that sacrifice, the other priests would tie a rope to his ankle in case he was struck dead by the presence of God, they wanted a way to drag the body out so they wouldn't put their own lives at risk in entering that place. There's nothing casual about that idea of worship. We also often think of Revelation the book of Revelation is something happening in the future. And there's been all sorts of books, the Left Behind series and all those things that get this idea that it's talking about future times. But remember I said at the beginning, it's a pastoral letter. It was a letter written to specific churches. And it was really a list of strengths and weaknesses of each of those communities. Here are the things that you're doing well as a church community. Here are the things that you're struggling with. Those, that's verse chapter 2 and chapter 3. Immediately after that was our reading. Chapter 4 begins with this vision. It's as if God, through the author, is saying, here are your circumstances. Here are the issues that you're dealing with. Don't lose perspective on what is real, on what is happening in the heavenly realms. So specifically, to the church in Philadelphia, you are beaten down. You are tired. The persecution is overwhelming. You're not even sure if you're going to make it as a people. Don't lose sight of the fact that the creator of the universe, the God who we worship, remains on the throne. No authority who is persecuting you has any power over that authority. To the church in Laodicea, you've become kind of comfortable. Your wealth has blinded you to reality. Do not lose perspective. Do not lose sight of who remains on the throne. Pursue God's purposes for your life rather than your own comfort and satisfaction. That's the message. It's a message for the present. It was then, it remains so today. It also talks a lot about that throne. 62 times the word throne is used in the New Testament. 47 of them are found in Revelation. John, the author, was trying to sear into their minds this image of throne. And he uses the image because it's something that was, again, part of their context. Caesar, the Roman Empire, was trying to control the entire empire through the use of religion. Caesar worship. Statements like Caesar is Lord were common. It was understood in that empire that Caesar was ruler over all and any other gods that you may have had from your own tribal religion or whatever were subjected to 
were subjective to Caesar. They were under Caesar's authority. Except for the Jews and the Christians, they refused to bow. Because John was reminding them, this is the one who has ultimate authority. The book of Revelation was a book of political insubordination. Jews and Christians were persecuted as atheists because they refused to bow to Caesar. It continues to be political subordination today. It's why in many countries, Christians are still oppressed because they recognize that the authority is not in the government, not in the leadership. It's why we don't have flags in our sanctuary. We come to worship the creator God, regardless of our political bent or ideologies. We come here to understand and remember, reflect on that God is the one on the throne and put all powers, earthly powers, in place. Now it also referenced 24 elders. 24 elders on 24 thrones with crowns on their heads. And again, this is an image from the Roman Empire. As the Roman armies went out, they carried with them a symbol of Rome, a symbol of Caesar. And as they defeated armies and enemies, they took that symbol and the king of the defeated nation would have to remove his crown and place it at that symbol and prostrate himself and say, Caesar is Lord. And the writer captures that image and says that is happening in the heavenly realms. And what is happening in the heavenly realms with the elders, whoever they may represent, should also be happening in your life and my life. that we're removing our crowns and we're prostrating ourselves saying, you are holy for all that you have created. Use me as you will as part of your creation. That's the message of chapter four. Yes, the book of Revelation is a little bit weird. It is difficult. It's hard to understand. But it is still applicable and it is still useful for us today. Even in this this chapter, we just read chapter 4. It argued against our nonchalant and kind of casual approach to worship. It encouraged us to take a position where we are subservient and we recognize our role before God and we bow before God and we give our lives to God. And it reminded us that regardless of our circumstances, regardless of appearances that may suggest otherwise, that God remains in control, on the throne. God was on the throne. God is on the throne. God will remain on the throne for eternity. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. 
Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.